Welcome to Drinks at the Doll, episode 65, 30 Days of Lost Girl, part 3. You're listening to Drinks at the Doll, a podcast way station for Lost Girl fans. I'm your host, Stephanie. And I'm Annie. And I'm Chris. This episode is part of our 30 Days of Lost Girl series in which we answer a bunch of questions about Lost Girl. To see all of the questions in the meme as well as get links to our episodes in which we answer those questions, go to drinksatthedoll.com slash 30 days 2014. Just as a warning, our answers may contain spoilers for up through season four. We're on to day 17, and I have to say, I'm kind of dreading day 17 and day 18, just because I feel like in the Lost Girl fandom, people get really competitive about ships. What? They do? Yeah, I don't know if you do this, but well, yeah. you don't always have to put it with that disclaimer. I mean, <laughs> we're nice people, and we're just saying our opinion, and, you know, we don't have to always think of it as competitive. Just, you know. Well, let's hope. Let's hope. Okay. So I guess I'll start by saying... We should we should preface, we're not trying to be competitive. No. Ship who you want to ship. But they, there are a couple of questions in here about ships. And so day 17 is your favorite ship, question mark. What is our favorite ship? And since we know Annie's answer. <laughs> what? <laughs> We're going to start with Annie. Well, my favorite ship is just what you guys keep shoving in my face because you kept writing over my answer. <laughs> They're all Crystal and Lauren or, you know, Valky Donkey or whatever. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm that just was a hilarious laugh, Stephanie. <laughs> yes, it's true. Annie ships Valky Donkey. I don't even yes. know. What, <laughs> what about Valky Chicken? <laughs> oh, goodness. Chicken just. <laughs> what? Chickery. Chicory, yeah. <laughs> I am just merely but a humble document shipper who vomits emotionally every episode. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I didn't say it was literal vomiting, just emotional. <laughs> crying and sobbing and squeeing and docu-bustering and yeah. So in a surprise twist, docubus <laughs> is Andy's favorite ship. You don't say. I know. I know. How about you, Chris? What is what is your favorite ship? I totally ship Hot Pantsless, which is Lord and Crystal. If anybody is new to the podcast, maybe. And they don't know the awesome ship name that you came up for them. It's a it's a good ship name though, it's right? A good ship name. Dr. Hot Pants and Crystal, who is always pantsless. Hot pantsless. There you no go. Ness, Annie. No Ness. Just I know, hot pantsless. I always said hot pantsless Ness, and I don't know why. I'm trying to get better at it. It's because I sometimes like to say pantslessness, I think, is That's maybe why, why oh, okay. she keeps throwing yeah, it yeah. in there, because yeah. I do like the word pantslessness. I do, too. So, there you go. So, why, do you, why, do you, why is Hot Pantsless your favorite ship? My beloved, semi-joking, but totally serious ship. Because, you know, I, I and let me disclaim here, I don't think this is ever going to be any kind of endgame ship, but... I do think that their relationship could be a good thing, you know, because they're in sort of similar situations. And 
you know, they were really cute together in that in the scenes that we got with them at the beginning of season four. And uh, let's be honest, that scene was pretty hot too, right? <laughs> I I'm just saying. And he's like, <laughs> it wasn't with Bo, so I have no opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of screaming at the screen the first time I saw it, but I was kind of out of shock. <laughs> but now that you've seen Bomb Girls, are you more favorable, knowing yes. that it didn't go anywhere beyond that? Yes. And I do love Ali Liebert. Leaps! I also went with Hot Pantsless. Because I think it's just, like, me and Chris over in a corner, leaves crying <laughs> and giggling Mostly to ourselves. Mostly just to each other, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of fun to give Annie a hard time with our hot pantsless shipping. <laughs> yes. That's, like, half the reason why you ship it. Just Pretty so much. you can give me. Yeah. Maybe I, yeah. for Stephanie, but no. <laughs> no, I, I I, do, actually, I did really enjoy Lauren and Crystal's relationship. I think the, I mean, maybe it just wasn't possible with Ellie Lieber's schedule, but I think they, the writers really missed a great opportunity of keeping her around in the latter part of season four and kind of exploring the relationship between Lauren and Crystal more, because I think it could have been really interesting and i'm like and i'm like chris i'm not thinking this is end game or something like that not every ship you ship has to be otp right i should hope not yeah so but yeah that's especially my not on this show Jeez. i know i know i know but yeah that's that's my favorite ship to ship because i have i have the most fun shipping that ship <laughs> Leaves. Leaves. by the way otp for those who don't know is one true one pairing. true pairing yes, yes. thank you eddie yes so maybe on this show we'll get an OT3. You never know. Shit, the way it's going, yeah. <laughs> or an OT, Excuse me. everyone! Shit. We'll see. OT, crack ship, everyone ship, 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 armada <laughs> ship. OT cast. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Hey, drinks at the doll. This is Sally. I'm sending in my feedback for day 17, my favorite ship on Lost Girl. And... I imagine that I'm probably joining a chorus of voices that are going to say Docubus. It's Bo and Lauren. That's the thing that first caught my attention about Lost Girl. I was getting a little tired of TV shows that had either subtext or, you know, teasing, but not a real relationship. And it came to my attention that there was a show that had a real relationship between two women, and it wasn't done for sweeps or ratings or titillation, but it was just part of the story, and it was totally normal, and it was a beautiful thing. So I started watching the show. The rest is history. I love Bo and Lauren together. I love how they complement each other, and they're so different, but they're so well-matched. And since that's the thing that drew me to Lost Girl... It will always be my favorite ship, and I hope that season five has really good things in store for them. Day 18. We're still talking about shipping, so my blood pressure is still elevated. I get so nervous, <laughs> y'all. I get so nervous. Please, everybody, play nice in the comments yes. so that Stephanie, you know, so the head doesn't explode, basically. <laughs> and again, ship who you want to ship. I wouldn't even, like talk about this if the question wasn't in the list, but I'm trying to play by the list. So today we're talking about our least favorite ship. 
And we should clarify that we're talking canon chips. Yes. We decided to limit it to canon chips because, yeah, it's. I just felt like that would be fairer because then you have stuff that you can actually critique on. So, And there are just too many otherwise. Let's start with, with Chris. Who Who is your least favorite ship? I went with Lauren and Ebony, who I think their ship portmanteau is Leveny. I've which- also seen <laughs> Mordok. And what? Lorigan. Yeah. Uh, no. But Levity just makes me think of like some sort of combination of levity and leavened, like mm-hmm. leavened bread. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> my reasoning is not based on the ship name. To me, it's just not a feasible relationship. I mean, the way things are and the way they've been, it just kind of can't work to me. You know, the Morrigan isn't inclined to care about anybody but herself. And then Lauren also turned her human against her will. So I don't think it's a healthy relationship. <laughs> yeah, it was like they had a lot of chemistry, especially in of all well, sure. joints. Yes, that was yes. Those, that sequence of scenes was great. Mm-hmm. But again, I don't think this is a ship that can like really exist in the world of the show the way things are. Yeah, the now. the power dynamics between the two of them are also really problematic i think right yes so but i did i had for a moment in origin like right after the sexy time stopped where they're really cute where they kind of like smile at each other it's just like they're cute they were cute for like a minute but then i'm just like no <laughs> it's just it's not gonna work out too too much too much stuff is going on in that pairing and then you decided to stick with Hot Pantsless. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think they have their moments, that ship, where, yeah, they can be kind of cute, or there is a lot of, you know, sexual tension. And, you know, I think it's great to see Emmanuel and Zoe work together, because they do really work together well and have good chemistry. But, yeah, it's just, there's two, every, you know, because Lauren ultimately had a different, you know, her own purpose and you know the morgan as now the former leader of the dark fae and that's why she's keeping lauren around is to turn fae again it's just too complicated bow and lauren or lauren choosing bow at the end of the season at least in my mind you know it's just too <laughs> and he had a two head in there yep <laughs> <laughs> it's a little too yeah it's it's just not going to work right i mean there's good chemistry but it's just not in my mind, it's not a healthy relationship at all. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, I don't know if this quite qualifies as a ship, but I was just trying to think of all the couplings we've seen on the show. Because, like, <laughs> well, because, you know, Chris and I named Hot Pantsless as our favorite ship. And it's not like Lauren and Crystal dated for a really long time. They really, they had flirty times and then sexy times and then it was kind of over. So, I'm throwing this one out there as as a ship, even if nobody ships it. I have no clue. And mine was Dyson and Val, which happens at the end of season two in The Girl Who Fade With Fire. They they have a, a, a rendezvous in a wine cellar, maybe? I don't even know. And, I think it was. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. It's and I, and I really don't like that trope. It's a really worn out trope where, like, guy sleeps with best friend's sister to create drama. And I've never really liked it in general, besides it being just overused, I think. I don't like it because it positions men as, like, protector of their sister's vaginas, which I think is just weird. 
The sex scene, I think, is actually pretty hot between the two of them, but there's just too many weird relationship dynamics going on around surrounding the hookup. Right. So I agree. It, it's just awkward to me. So that was my least favorite coupling. Yeah. Again, it's complicated. Yeah. But I think it's supposed to be awkward. So to, yeah, to be fair, is. that that is not supposed to be like a, you know, fluffy hearts and butterflies type of moment. Yeah. And I do think that Hale's opposition to it was mostly that he knew Dyson was in a weird place. I mean, versus like the standard. Right. You know, right. The standard trope that you're talking about. It's not that as much as it is the other stuff that is going on with Dyson and Hale. Right. Because I think even though Val knew it was just sort of a roll in the hay, she just kind of wanted to do something rebellious against her father. Hale didn't Mm -hmm. know Val knew that. So I think he was more just he knew Dyson was really like angry about the fact that he couldn't care about anybody anymore. And yeah. Right. Because, I mean, you don't want somebody using your family member, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So how about you, Annie? What did you pick as your least favorite ship? The ship name is just almost comical, but people called it Rainbow for Rainer and Bo. See, I went with No Brainer as their ship name. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. See, there, I've, I've heard of more, uh, slightly derogatory ones. Yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, it's because. Who is Rainer and Bo, we should say. Rainbow. Rainer and Bo. Yeah. yeah. And Rainer, you know, they had their flashbacks and their sexy times. And I'm just like, but, you know, as I've mentioned, the character of Rainer and his whole purpose doesn't really work for me. So within the context of season four and a lot of what he did wasn't really explained and those actions towards her friends and her family mixed up with the whole destiny, Pyrrhus wanderer thing. Um, she said it right. She did. I, know, I said it right. <laughs> Papaya and horse, if you don't Papaya know what Annie's referring to, but, uh, she calls it Pyrrhus. <laughs> but it's just that whole, to this day, I'm still not clear on who's the wanderer and papaya horse and all of that and then you have this character that comes in and who's like he's my destiny and eh and uh just the way the character was written he just didn't work for me and i didn't feel sympathy for him so that's why uh it's my least favorite ship i actually heard i think there is one fanfic on rainer himself like a point of view thing but that's it uh i think that's the closest i've heard to a rain a rainbow shipper or a rainer shipper for that matter. But uh, yeah, I think there are a few out there who agree with me. I will give them this. They're both very pretty. They are. Mm. But I actually, yes. it was, it was weird to me and, and it, feel, feel free to disagree that people have different perspectives on chemistry, but I feel like Anna Silk usually has chemistry with everybody, but I didn't feel like she and Kyle Schmid had that much chemistry, which was just odd to me. Like, how does she not have chemistry with this guy? It's, I, it was I just agree weird. with you on that. I do. Because it's just, I don't know. They, I always say they don't match. You know, something just doesn't fit. Like, I'm not attracted to their, it's not just because I'm a document shipper or whatever, but, you know, I'm just like, when they're on screen, you don't get pulled in by their scenes. Does anybody else wish that they hadn't gone the sexy times route and had instead gone for like siblings or half siblings or something? Not I even do. siblings. Yeah. Well, the way that could have been Bo, interesting. Yeah, the way that Bo finally described it, I think in, I think it was in Dark Horse or the episode before when she finally said, "Well, we're partners." Right. And I'm like, yeah. If you'd put it that way the whole time, I would have been happier with it. But you know, the sexy times just seem kind of. 
you know, Bo's all over the moon and just, oh, I'm going to miss my stop. Let's have sex. What? You know, it just made no sense. Yeah, I mean, but just we're working together as partners to eliminate, you know, to find out what this, this threat of the Pyrrhus is, and we'll make a plan. Even if we don't tell everybody what the plan is because of we're trying to protect them or whatever, that would have worked better for me. So day 19, we are talking about favorite quotes from the show. Let's start with let's start with Annie. What is what is what did you pick as your favorite quote from Lost Girl? Well, it's really hard because I'm like, God, I have to pick just one. There are so many Docubus lines, is I what know. Annie's thinking. <laughs> There's so many Docubus lines. There's so many Kenzie lines. There's yeah. So I just went. Well, uh, let me think of the last one that I liked, and it's Nobo. I'm yours. <laughs> Squeal. Gives me happy feels. Makes my heart melt every time I hear it. Because it was really important in the context of the conversation. Because Bo was like, wow, you're dark. And she goes, no, I'm yours. So Bo, like, knew at that point. Anyway. So how about you, Chris? What lie did you pick? Oh, man. I went with, I will live the life I choose. Because it's the show's thesis. And it's reiterated at the beginning of every episode. And also, it's good life advice. I had to go with that one too. Like I, I am so happy that Kinsey basically said it at the end of Truth and Consequences, but I'm waiting for Bo to say it like in the context of an episode. But I love that line. Like that was the line when I heard it in the credits. I was like, yes, yes, I'm going to like this show. I get like this really big surge of, yeah, me too. I will l- live the life I choose whenever I, I hear her save it. So it, it makes me happy. It makes me happy also. But there are tons of great lines on this show. I'm surprised that nobody picked a Kenzie quote because she's got she's got some great lines. Kenzie does. Well, wait until we get to the day that this actually goes up on the internet. I'm sure we'll be bombarded with Kenzie quotes, which we will welcome because we do love the Kenzie quotes. Yeah, I've been trying to think of ones before. I was like, no, 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 no. It has to be I will live the life I choose. I did very seriously entertained. Hello, Wondersnatch. Have we met? Because <laughs> I... I quite love her referring to Bo as Wondersnatch. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> Anytime you rewatch it and you get to that part, you you like message that to me. <laughs> but and I also really like I'm just thinking of like more recent quotes, I feel like, but I also really liked in season three when Vex referred to lesbian sex as smash up clam derby. Once I figured out what he was saying, I was like, okay, that's awesome. That's a great line. <laughs> How about you, Annie? Did you have any like second picks that you almost went with? Oh, I think it was the Kenzie line you just referred to. The Wonderstatch where... one? No, no, no. The um uh the one you mentioned in a previous day where she they were speed dating and she quotes Ludicrous. Oh, oh, okay. Revenge is for suckers, for suckers, for suckers. It's just the way Ksenia says that always makes me laugh. Did you have a backup one, Chris? Um... That you almost picked? Not off the top of my head, no. No? Okay. There are too many! I know! There's a lot of really, really great quotations from the show. Oh, um, teams are stupid. Ah, yes. From Vexed. From, from Vexed, when Bo says teams are stupid. That's a good one. Hi, this is Denise at NV Ghost 5 This is day 19. My favorite quote, here it goes. What did you do that time? 
begged the invisible threshold to knock me on my ass, obviously. Was I not supposed to? And that is my favorite quote of the show. This is Stephanie's friend, Elizabeth. I'm going to tell you about my favorite lost girl quote. Actually, this one was really hard for me to pick because I really wanted to pick something that Vex says because many of the things that Vex says amuse me quite a bit. But I realized as I was going back through that the reason that Vex amuses me so much has less to do with the actual content of the line and just the delivery itself. Um, so I couldn't pick. Uh, my favorite line is actually, my favorite quote is from Arachnophobia. It's Kenzie's. She is all dressed up in her Romany outfit and a bow is about to blow her cover. Uh, she's about to do a smudging for a house. And she says, please do shut up and light the sage stick. And for some reason, that quote not only sticks in my head, but also uh, is just useful in my everyday life. So there you go. Um, I guess that's some insight into my life. Cheers. Hey guys, this is Sally. Day 19, my favorite quote. I'm going to go with It's Time from the first episode of season three, Caged Fae, for a couple reasons. So first of all, what it means in the story is it's time. It's the beginning of Bo and Lauren's real relationship. And, you know, what a great relationship it was and is. So um, it's the start of something beautiful and precious. And when you guys did your interview with Emily Andrus, you had asked her a question that I had submitted, which was, did she write that phrase? with um, a double meaning and was the double meaning it's time for a relationship like this on television. And what she said was that she didn't intend that, but what a lovely idea. So here's what I think. Even if she didn't intend it, perhaps she did subconsciously. And even if she didn't subconsciously, I think that phrase has come to symbolize for me <clears throat> a lot. And it was time for a relationship like Bo and Lauren's, and it still is time. And, you know, that's why I think that quote is just awesome, and it's going down in history <laughs> as my favorite. So day 20, we are talking about our least favorite character today. And I wouldn't be surprised if the entire Lost Girl fandom might have the same answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I shouldn't say that everybody. I know there are people out there who like this character, so I could probably narrow it down to two characters who probably would, a lot of people would name. Is the other one Massimo? Yes, the other one is Massimo. Uh, I figured. <laughs> Maybe Sally would, wouldn't say Massimo because she likes his shirts, but. She does? Seriously? <laughs> <laughs> yes, our friend Sally, who's been on the podcast several times, loves Massimo's shirts. We've had discussions about this. I don't get it. But okay, least favorite character. I don't feel like I even need to pick somebody to start with. Let's just, we can all say it together. Do we want to say it together? <laughs> One, two, two, three. Rainer. Rainer. <laughs> that was a pretty good course. So I just have to, and I think Chris will also add qualifiers 
to it. So what are, what are, I always add yeah, qualifiers to everything. I have qualifiers too. Cause I really think it's, it's actually less about the character himself and more just about how his storyline played out. But, but why don't you go first, Kristen, and talk about your qualifiers? Okay. Now, I mean, we had questions about him before he was introduced and he wasn't what we expected at all. And I think now we have at least as many questions about him as we did before he showed up, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody's frustrated. More. Everybody's yeah. frustrated. But my my qualifier here is, you know, the story isn't done yet. We haven't really finished the current story arc. We're sort of midway through. So things could still change because we still have those questions hanging. So hopefully we're going to get you know, some more resolution in season five. How about you, Annie? What do you think? Well, it just, I think the writers tried something and it didn't work. It's just overly convoluted writing for both the plot and the character of Rainer. And again, he made Bo seem just like selfish and unlikable and forget her friends. Like when she was with him, she changed even more. And um, I always, I honestly feel a little bad for Kyle Schmidt that he had to play a character that was just almost universally not liked by the fans. And I'm like, oh, poor guy. But um, yeah, it just, his character just, it was, you know, when he died, everybody was like, eh. You know, I know the story, as Chris mentioned, still has to go on. We still have to figure out what's going on with Pyrrhus. The whole endgame of that story has not happened. But in terms of the character, I'm like, whatever. Glad he's not there anymore. Yeah, I was just... Rainer was just such a dud. At, at, at this point, he just feels like such a dud. And it's quite possible they'll come back in Season 5 and oh, give God, us more information. Not. And No, 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 not the character. But like the writers oh. will, in Season 5, maybe give us more information that makes him not feel like a waste of screen time. But right now, it's just like, I don't understand why he was on the series. So yeah. that's that's why he's my least favorite. I mean, he's so tied up in the Pyrrhus storyline, or at least as I understand it. So I, I think there's still opportunity to salvage his place in the story. You know what I mean? Because yeah. we still have these questions. Like, it felt like they presented two different sides of this character, where he's known as, like, this really evil, evil man in the history books, et cetera, et cetera, but that's not what we are presented with. So it does seem like there's still some stuff that needs to be settled, and hopefully they do that, and maybe that will redeem the character in some regards. That's what I'm hoping, because I don't want to just, like, hate a character. You know what I mean? <laughs> and right yeah. now, I'm just so... <laughs> like you do now. I know. Yeah. Right now, I'm just like, uh, why was he on my screen? So, And I hate to say it, but it's like, you know that the writer's are probably very aware of the fans' feedback to an extent. And they're kind of like, so I hope they're working on something to tie up the storyline neater or to redeem him in some way or something, you know? Mm -hmm. But, you know, or they might just be going, oh, that was kind of a big mistake to make <laughs> what we did <laughs> with a few episodes there. I don't know. I hope they're not saying that. But, you know, I mean, that's the way a show goes. I mean, even the creators can sometimes say, yeah, this was a mistake later in hindsight. Yeah, we like to think that people can completely predict how something will play out as they're writing it, but it's really hard. You don't know it until is. you try things out and, you know, you get actors in place and this and that and the other. And even then, 
you know, they only have a very short amount of time to make an episode. So they can film an entire episode and realize, okay, that didn't quite work out well, but they can't go back and just redo it. You just can't with TV. You got to forge ahead. So, but I'm hoping, yeah, I'm just, I'm hoping that we'll get more information in season five that might, might make me more friendly toward Rainer. Or at least his place within the story. Yeah, exactly. Hello, I'm Angela. But when I comment on drinks at the doll, which I love to do, my handle is DocubusForever14. Today I'm here to talk about Day 20, uh, least favorite character. For me, that would be Rainer, because he tried to tear the gang apart. Uh, if he was a good man, then he should have tried to at least get to know Kinsey. Kinsey was her best friend, her sister, and as season finale season four finale indicated Bo's heart. And like the Spice Girls song Wannabe states, if you want to be my lover, you got to get with my friends. And Rainer didn't do that. He didn't even try to get to know any of them. His own arrogance made him think that he was the only one for Bo and that they were the only ones that were meant to be together. He even rolled his eyes in at 12 Origins when Epona told Bo that she was more beautiful than she expected. So this character, Rainer, was my least favorite of the whole show. Past, present, and probably, I'm going on a long limb here, future. Thanks. That's my answer. Hi, this is Denise at MVGo005. This is for day 20, my least favorite character And it comes from Season 2, Episode 1. There was a troop member amongst the Circus of the Slog who hacked up skin. There is no end to the levels of gross I thought that was. So that is my least favorite character. Hey guys, this is Gabby uh, Torajeno at Townsend Atlas. Um, I was just calling in because I want to share my least favorite character. With you guys, uh, it's gotta be Massimo. There is nobody else right now that ranks out low besides him. Um, he's got no sense of uh, style whatsoever. And of course, we all know what he did. I mean, he killed Hale, so that's a big no-no for any one of us. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to let you guys know. And I also want to let you guys know that um, I'm really enjoying these 30 days of Lost Girl. I love having something to listen to every day. So thanks, um, you guys, for putting it out there. Bye. Hey, guys, it's Sally. So day 20, the question is least favorite character. And I'd like to lodge a protest. Why do we have to talk about our least favorites? It just seems mean. I know you didn't write the question. Um, but since somebody asked, I'll have to say it's Rainer. And here's why. he He wasn't a hero that I came to root for, even though I think that's what the story was going for towards the end of season four, that he and Bo all along had had similarly aligned goals about eliminating Dark and Light Fae and the Divide. He also didn't end up being a villain, at least as far as we know. So he wasn't really somebody that I could love to hate. And I don't know, I just didn't find his storyline that compelling. And, you know, I um, was a little bummed out that Bo spent so much time and energy being estranged from her friends 
uh, over somebody who just kind of really didn't inspire strong emotions in me one way or the other, other than boredom, I guess. So it's Rainer. Day 21. We're not talking about Lost Girl really at all. We're talking about our favorite non-Lost Girl character that any of the main cast has played. And this one was kind of, I didn't have a whole lot to choose from. I haven't seen the cast in many things outside of Lost Girl. How about y'all? Nope, not really. I have with several things, so. I can probably count the number of things on one hand that I've seen. I've seen seen Zoe in Cold-Blooded. I've seen Anna in Being Erica, and I've seen KC in an episode of Rookie Blue, and that's it. I've seen those. I saw, well, I, I've seen a couple other, like, guest role things, uh, and I saw Chris Holden Reed in Underworld Awakening. Well, I haven't seen that yet. I just saw him in that zombie movie he mm. did, The Return, uh-huh. which I thought was very well done, actually. I have that one on my Netflix queue, but I haven't watched it oh, yet. Oh, is it on yeah. Netflix? Uh-huh. I it might is. give it a watch, yes. then. Yeah. So let's start with you, Annie, since you've seen more cast members playing non-Lost Girl characters. Who did you pick as your favorite? I really liked it. Zoe's um, her first uh, starring role as Carly Grieg on The Guard. And, you know, I just thought, oh, you know, typical show about, you know, procedural kind of show. It's just in the water with Coast Guards. Um, but I love how the script revealed right from the start of how flawed and effed up Carly is. I mean, she's really good at her job as a Coastie, but She's got major issues around commitment and getting close to people, um, especially Ryan Robbins, who plays her eventual boyfriend. And it made her seem really genuine instead of just cardboard cutout, you know, I'm a ghostie or whatever. And I love seeing Zoe and Ryan Robbins work together, um, both in this and in Cold-Blooded, because they have really believable chemistry. But yeah, I just love that the characters were all flawed or were all you know, just had their all their own issues, and it didn't feel too stigmatized to me. So, and, you know, it was where you got to see, you know, the strength of Zoe play, Zoe's acting and playing a character like that. So, that's why. Well, I went with Anna Silk as Cassidy on Being Erica. I don't know if that's her first queer female character that she played, but she played, Cassidy is also, she's a lesbian. And... I really liked her in that character. She's only in a few episodes. She's a very peripheral type of character. But I think she's a whole lot of fun, and she's a very sexy character, but she's so different than Bo. And she's just a very average-seeming person on this show. I mean, average but gorgeous, right? Because, I mean, Anna Silk Silk is very good-looking, it's true. But she still manages to feel like a really a real person that you could know on on being Erica. There's also, it doesn't hurt that there's a scene in which she makes out with somebody while topless. So that might have swayed my vote a little bit in that direction. I'm sitting here going, now I really need to watch being Erica. Because <laughs> I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> she is very charming. Yes. Yes. Instead, what do I do? I watch Anna in a horrible sci-fi, original sci-fi movie called Earthstorm. So I'm like, well, I picked the wrong Project. I was going to say, I've seen that one, too. I yeah. have seen a couple other things. And like, uh, oh, Ksenia was in Black Swan and Casey Collins was in Robocop. I saw Ksenia on Life Interrupted. And I, I, I did like her there, too. I forgot about that. I'd seen Ksenia in that. 
she's so young in that series. Anyway, who did who did you pick, Chris, as as your favorite character? I went with Frances Jane from Cold Blooded, which was uh, Zoe Palmer's character, and because she's just she's so relentless and she's sticking to her principles and doing her job, and it's all about that, and you know at crazy personal loss <laughs> yeah but uh you know i i respect that though that uh she's so crazily relentless i do too yeah. like i really loved that that was her character's storyline was that she would constantly be tested to break her principles and i feel like in most other projects she would eventually like it's that would be the you know, the big kind of reveal of the plot line would be that, oh, and here she finally goes against her ethics, but she doesn't. She just sticks to her principles. And I was like, that was very refreshing. Maybe some people think that's boring, but I was like, that's very refreshing that this character story arc was just staying true to herself and true to her ethics. I know, because so often it's like, well, you know, where is the character's breaking point? Mm -hmm. She doesn't have and one. And she <laughs> gets tested in crazy, ridiculous ways. So, yeah. I really, I was surprised how much I enjoyed that movie. I, that's not really my type of thing. Me but too. But I really enjoyed Cold Blooded. So check it out if you haven't seen Cold Blooded. Yeah. Because I mean, you're you're so worried that it's going to be like horrifying, and it is mm -hmm. kind of horrifying, but it's not as gory as I thought it was possibly going to yeah. be. Like there are a few moments, but it's mm -hmm. it's not as bad as a lot of stuff. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's more of a thriller, and it's just uh, it is. It's yeah. tense. Yeah. It's, it's tense. really, really tense. And it's very psychological. And I love that conversation yeah. that she has at the beginning with Ryan Robinson's character. And how, you know, you're like, well, does she even want to be a cop? Does she want to move up into homicide? Or, you know, and then once all the, you know, stuff hits the fan and she gets, you know, she, you know, gets put up against this incredible obstacle. She's like, nope. And I love the scene where she goes back to the hospital room and suits up with her bulletproof vest and takes out the taser. And I'm like, wow, she's still going to go after this guy. She's still going to do her job. And it's really incredible to see. It's not just like, oh, I'm just going to try and get out of here. It's more like, no, I was just sent here to do a job. Might have started out as a really boring job to just watch this guy through the night. But now all the stakes are upped. So I need to respond. And uh, it's really cool. I also wanted to give a shout out to Casey on Rookie Blue. I actually really, really enjoyed his little guest starring role. I found myself kind of shipping him and Andy <laughs> during the course of that episode. I was like, heck, Andy, forget about that guy you're dating. Look at him. He's got so much charisma. <laughs> Interesting. I know. I know. I don't know. I'm a sucker for Casey Collins. He's just got a great smile. He does. Well, I have to give uh, props to any time the... Lost Girl cast shows up on Flashpoint just because I love that show, which Zoe Palmer has done and Casey Collins has done. And Oh, they've been on Murdoch Mysteries, too. Oh, yeah. I think, actually, Zoe Palmer plays a, either a character who's pretending to be a man or some kind of male character. And she has... Oh, yeah, that's right. No, it's a character pretending okay. to be a man. She's, she's part of a group of women who dress up as men... Uh, so so they can get a little respect, okay. basically. Because I remember somebody posting a picture of her in that series and be like, this is where they got the idea for the Karen Beatty wig. Uh, <laughs> Blame Murdoch see, Mysteries. I, I, I haven't, uh, that's one of the few I haven't watched of, of her guest spots. But And then, of course, everybody also seems to be on The Listener, which is now airing in the U.S., so I'm trying to watch it, see what that show's about. I've caught a little bit of that, but I've never caught an episode with Chris Holden Reed in it. 
which I'm amazed he still has time to film when he's also shooting Lost Girl. Hi, this is Denise at MVGhost005. This is a response to Day 21, your favorite non-Lost Girl character, any of the main cast played. And mine has to be Anna Silk for two roles. One is for the company in which she portrayed Stella Bledsoe, and the second is Brynna in the movie Earthstorm. As a note, Conrad Coates, who portrayed the Blackthorn in Lost Girl, also starred in Earthstorm with Anna Silk as the character Will. So those are my two roles for Anna Silk. So day 22, we're talking about our favorite battle scenes. And I guess I'll go first because I already mentioned mine in one of our previous episodes. When we talked about the the episode Vexed over in in episode 61, drinksofthedoll.com slash 61, I mentioned that Bo versus the Morag in Vexed is my favorite fight scene. And I just think it's so well done. I think it's choreographed really well. It's really brutal. And there's a lot of creepy suspense that builds up to where the fight starts. And I just think it's wonderfully shot. John Fawcett directed that episode, and he just has a great visual style. And I just think the Morag is a super creepy, great villain. I love, really love her effects makeup. So that's my favorite battle scene. It's a good one. It is. I think my favorite part is where the shower curtain comes down from behind Mm -hmm. Bo. I really like that they they cut to a shot of like the curtain pulling on the little hooks that are on the the rail. I really love that that little those two little shots that they included. But how about you, Chris? What did you pick as your favorite battle scene? Confagion, Kenzie versus the pigmen. Because, you know, temporarily superpowered Kenzie and she's like reflexively kicking ass <laughs> and it's it's just like a great sort of wonderfully choreographed elaborate fight scene and i like those apparently that fight scene really reminds me of how river tam fights on firefly i agree and it makes sense because you know um summer glau and ksenia solo are both dancers so they have a similar uh, similar background training, I guess. Yeah, I, th- I feel like the fighting style chosen for for both of them was very similar in those episodes. And it might be that they even were kind of doing an homage to River Tam with the Kenzie versus the Pigman yeah. fight. Entirely possible. And or likely. That is a really great fight. I, I like it a lot. And I know Ksenia Solo was really excited to get to do a fight scene. But I'm kind of glad that it was just temporary and that Kenzie isn't always doing that type of elaborate fight scenes. Oh, me too. Well, I remember Ksenia also saying, she goes, man, I give credit to Anna because doing all these fight scenes is really tough to do it for that extended amount of time, you know, throughout the whole series to always have fight scene number 362. I imagine they are rather time consuming. Yeah, I bet they take a lot of time to shoot. And then, of course, there's a lot of preparation time and getting all of the choreography down with the stunt people. So how about you, Annie? What is what is the battle scene that you picked as your favorite? First of all, I really like this question because I like battle scenes. <laughs> it comes from my Xena background. Uh, mine was Bo versus Lachlan in Barabit's Trick Pressure. And again, because of my Xena background, I'm always a fan of awesome long sword fight scenes. Um, and kudos to all the stunties in that scene with Casey Hudecki, who is uh, Anna's uh, sword double. And I just, I, I like the expanse of that scene. 
um, how it just goes from the Ashes quarters to in the halls to, you know, throughout this whole, you know, castle-like structure, and that it's a character-revealing moment. You know, the Ash, he's very suave, and he's very, you know, uh, what is charismatic, but he's goading Bo at the same time, you know, and they have that whole back-and-forth exchange. But then he reveals his true intent, saying, well, you're really the one to save the world, Bo. So, because she resists killing him. So it's a very, it comes all to a very pretty important plot point at the end of that fight scene. You know, as with the sex scenes and the fight scenes, they have purpose in Lost Girl. So, uh, trivia for me, this was actually the very first episode of Lost Girl I watched, because I was at Comic-Con that year. My friends came, they were, you know, my roomies, and they're like, we have to watch Lost Girl. And I'm all, what? So imagine watching that episode as the very first episode. Very, very confusing for me. Does that does that fight scene remind you of the Buffy versus Angel fight scene at the end of season two, Chris, at all? Hmm. I guess I've never thought about it before. It shouldn't because the circumstances are so different, but it, it does really remind me. And I think it's mainly because we had had no indication previously that Bo could wield a sword that yeah. deftly. <laughs> and then suddenly this elaborate fight scene. And, I know. And same that, with that Buffy. Like, me up. like Buffy's a slayer. She kind of is automatically talented at things. And she, it, it's, it's less out of the middle of nowhere. But especially for Bo, I was like, I had no idea Bo could wield the sword. That's not really exactly her weapon of choice. Hmm. She can wield a knife, but maybe she was doing, well, you know, that scene where she's practicing sword fighting at the beginning, but that was after this episode, right? She does have a, a scene at the beginning of Faye Day, where she's doing morning calisthenics with a katana. I guess it's Geraldine. Yeah. yeah. But, so yeah, I guess they did mention that she used a sword, but it's just... Yeah, to be to be that adept with a sword. Yeah. yeah. Because Bo, I feel like, is usually more of like a street fighter. She's much more... Yeah, like Kenzie would be. Yeah, she's much yeah. more just sort of quick and and smart and able to evade people and use her instincts. But it takes a lot of skill to be a good sword fighter. And also she walks around with a thigh dagger. Yeah. 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 You know. Although, Annie, I I do agree with you. I love sword fight scenes. I do, too. I love sword fight scenes. Because, I mean, I, I grew up on Star Wars and Princess Bride, so I was all about sword fights as a kid. Day 22, favorite battle scene is definitely Kenzie with a chainsaw. Hey dudes, it's Sally. So day 22, favorite battle scene. It's episode 13 of season 2, Baromet's Trick Pressure, when Bo fights Lachlan with her sword. I remember the first time I saw this episode being thrilled because it reminded me of Xeno Warrior Princess, a show that I liked very much, and the sword fight was totally badass. That's all. Hi, this is Denise at MV Ghost 005. This is for day 22, my favorite battle scene, and I actually have two. Uh, the first one comes from season two, the episode Bear Mitts, Trick and Pressure. I like the battle scene between Bo and Lachlan. I love the sword play there. The second one is from Season 1, Episode 2, where there's a will, there's a fae, I believe the episode is called, and that is the one where Bo battles the headless 
assassin in a hotel room. I really enjoyed the close quarters combat. So those are my two favorite battle scenes in Lost Girl. Day 23, we're talking about the saddest character death. And I just, I know, I can feel it. I know we're all going to have the same answer. So again, I feel like we should just say it all at once. You want to count, Annie? Oh, one, two, three. Hail. 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 Notice how we all said it like that, too. Hail. Ah, hail. <laughs> I'm still so sad about hail. It's the one thing that makes Stephanie cry. <laughs> wow, it made her cry. I'm Sorry, otherwise I be happy about heartless that, but... and stoic, but hail dying made me cry. <laughs> like four times. <laughs> wow. Because I cried, yeah, cry I cried when he too. died, I cried when Kenzie was all, I, you know, I was going to say yes, I was going to say yes, oh. and then I cried when we were talking about the episode, and then I cried when we were talking about Hale, when we did like a Hale tribute, so I cried a lot because Hale died. <laughs> so basically you just save up all your tears. I do. <laughs> and oh, then when okay. something gets you, it really gets yes, you. Yes, I, I store them up and, and I feed on that, like sadness that's what keeps me going <laughs> in between all her stoicism and and heartlessness and me, yes and yeah. heartless ruthlessness <laughs> me i just have the endless supply of tears in me, so i'm pretty that's probably healthy actually yeah that's true yeah i don't know. let it out was... everybody let it out so how about you andy why did you choose Hale as as the saddest character death well it's sad that shows always seem to want to up the ante and go oh We've been here a few years. Let's kill off the main character. Uh, a main character. Um, so it was really sad to see one of the original cast members leave. And, you know, whether it's because of conflicts with Casey's schedule, filming, you know, Saving Hope or whatnot. But, you know, it's just within the story. It's just, of course, as soon as they're happy, you got to kill them off. Why can't we do something different for once and have them stay happy for a while? <laughs> I know it doesn't make good drama, but it's better than, you know ripping the character's heart out and her, you know, especially when Kenzie's bending over his body and she's, you know, she's crying for someone to help her and for Bo and, oh, it's terrible. You know, Well, and Kenzie and Hale barely got to be happy. Yeah. Because they hooked up in, of all the gin joints, they had like one small scene together in La Fea Poke. They had a significant storyline in Groundhog Fay, but then Hale was gone for two episodes and yeah. then he comes back and he's killed. Why? After making a big deal about how they're going to be happy. And they have all the time in the world. Ugh. Yes. I knew he was a goner as soon as he said that. That line is death yes. to characters. So how about you, Chris? Why did you pick Hale? Oh, you know, the same reasons everybody is thinking the same thing. I mean, the fact that he's the only main character to permanently die on the show, that makes him a shoe-in for this, right? I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah, because of course we do have we do have Kenzie who died at the end of season four too. But there's just so many wink, wink, nudge, nudge. She's gonna come back. I mean, the lead into her, you know, walking off to her death was her saying, "Here's how to get me back." Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I granted, they said something about how that's not possible, but obviously that's not gonna stop them from trying. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, the ending scene was Bo basically pledging to get her back or whatever right right so right so kinsey's death was still kind of it was still sad but I, sales like hale's death 
it was just like so tragic. You know, Kenzie got this great heroic death when she get, where she gets to choose her fate and walk into the portal. Hale is just this tragic victim of a little brat like Massimo. And it just made me so sad. It, it just felt like a real waste of a great character because I felt like they, they didn't do much with him in seasons three and four, and they really should have. And way to twist the katana in by having him <laughs> killed with Geraldine. Yeah. And I'm just like, and, you know, and it's just, uh, yeah, as you say, tragic. Yeah. I think Annie's sad slash slightly annoyed sigh right there sums it all up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did have a couple of runners up that I considered, but I was just like, no, no, it has to be Hale. I consider, because yeah. I find... Because it's the one thing that makes you cry. I, what? Shut up. <laughs> I cry, people. I have emotions. <sighs> I was just awake until like 3 a.m. the other night watching an old episode of The Dog Whisperer that totally made me cry. And I was like, this is stupid. Why am I crying? It was a dog with PTSD, y'all. And Caesar rehabilitated oh, okay, it. We, and it was, anyway, it made me cry. <laughs> we, we, we have to feed her episodes of The Dog Whisperer from now on. <laughs> But anyway, I did. I I also think that Nadia's death is very sad and tragic. Yes. Yeah, and I and yeah. and Kiara's death actually made me quite sad. I didn't cry, but it made me quite sad. Yeah. Her funeral made me sadder than her death did. I think that's fair. That's fair. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. like you kind of knew that somebody was probably not going to make it out of the right the big battle because that's the, the way these things battle. go. But yeah, though so it it just it makes me sad because her dying words are take care of yourself, Dyson. That really kind of gets to me. Like that was her dying words was take care of her, of yourself because she just knew that Dyson wasn't taking care mm-hmm. of himself in that, in that time period. So those two also, I feel like are pretty, pretty up there in the sadness meter. Yeah. Hey everyone. It's Kevin Batchelder. Want to give my answer for the saddest character death. And I definitely have to go with Hale. While uh, certainly Kenzie is my favorite character, and and we had her loss coming at the end of the season, this one was certainly the saddest because, uh, A, we lost a great character. B, it was a big surprise. Uh, Didn't see it coming. And C, we saw the impact of it on Kenzie. So it was doubly bad in that sense. You know, it wasn't like even Kenzie's situation where it was a heroic, uh, you know, uh, contribution or death to save the team. This was out of nowhere, and that was really, really sad. So that was tough. Uh, definitely had quite the impact on me and many of us. So appreciate you folks doing the podcast. Been a lot of fun listening to these every day and, and also seeing a lot of input from the uh, fandom, you know, both here voice wise on the podcasts and on Twitter and everything else. So thanks for all the hard work. Looking forward to seeing many of you at Dragon Con in just a matter of days. It's going to be a blast. Take care. Peace from NV Ghost 005. I wanted to add my two cents, day 23, the saddest character death. And that for me would be Lisa the Guppy from Adventures in Fae Babysitting from Season 3. I thought her death was tragic in and of itself for the episode and for its storyline. But I also thought it was a poignant moment for Bo in realizing and facing her destiny and her identity as a Fae. So the sad character death for me is Lisa... Adventures in Fae Babysitting. Sally, so day 23, the saddest character death. I'm going to say Hale because his death was very tragic. And he had just saved Kenzie from 
Massimone had his own siren power turned back on him and it made him temporarily deaf. So he couldn't hear Kenzie screaming at him in slow motion, look out behind you. And then he was killed and he had just been so proud and heroic when he was looking at her after he had saved her. So that sucked. And uh, that was sad. I was also, like Kevin Batchelder said in one of his um, voicemails, uh, Kenzie's death was also really sad, but I, um, like him and probably like everybody else who watches the show, I'm pretty sure I think that she'll be back. And that's why Hales is even sadder. Day 24, our favorite character death. Still talking about death. I know, I know. I know, but favorite death. Like, yeah, I'm really glad this character died. It's my favorite. I mean, that's not why I phrased it. Yeah, it's a weird phrasing, and you could could answer this question a couple of ways. It could be like, yes, I was so pleased to see that character die, or just this death was really well done. And that's really the direction that I went, I because I picked Kenzie. And not because I was, I was like, yes, Kenzie's dead. Thank goodness. I'm not saying I want her to be dead. I really do not want her to be dead. For me, nobody wants no, her to be dead. No, the core no. of Lost Girl is is Bo and Kenzie's friendship. So without Kenzie, I feel like we just have a very different show. So even Stephanie isn't mean enough <laughs> to want Kenzie dead. <laughs> yes, that's true. So I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Stephanie isn't actually mean most of the time. <laughs> Only, only to me. Sometimes Chris is mean to you too. Nice Come to on, <laughs> you guys are both mean to me. I don't want a podcast anymore. Let <laughs> me come back. Okay, just throw me some documents. <laughs> anyway, I picked Kenzie. I'm not saying I want Kenzie to be dead because season five should be the quest for Kenzie, as Chris has dubbed it. Thank you. Thank you for trying to make that happen. You're welcome. Hashtag quest for Kenzie. But I thought that her death made a whole lot of sense character-wise and was a really great end to her season story arc in season four. Because she was all about how she didn't have a place in the Fae world and how does she fit in. And it ends with her realizing that she is the center of Bo's world. She is Bo's heart. And... She chooses to make this sacrifice for for Bo, for her friends. And I thought it was a really great ending to her story arc. And I really love that image that they included of Tamsin folding her Valkyrie wings over Kenzie's body. I think that's just a beautiful image that they included in that final episode. Agreed. So how about you, How about you, Annie? What, what character death did you go with as your favorite? Uh, well, like you, I chose Kenzie, not because I don't love her and because... Yeah, she's gone. Um, but because it was really, I think, kind of the whole, her whole storyline, even to that point in the series, not just season four, had built up to this point where she made the sacrifice and she realized this was her po- place within this world of the Fae. And, um, so that was just really great to see her come to that realization. And it was done very well, very dramatically, but just the scene where she walks to the portal. And I really like just the music and the acting and, you know, the slow-mo and everything. And to me, that's a really good, like, just perfect scene. And the scene where Bo visits her grave afterwards. And, of course, I'm sobbing like the emotional mushball I am. But it's very, 
you know, Xena-like, where Gabrielle sacrifices herself. The name of that episode at the end of Season 3 is actually called Sacrifice, where she jumps in the lava pit, and that's it, and she sacrificed herself for Xena. And you're like, but we know she'll come back because she's the number two on the call sheet, and she's the sidekick, and Xena's lover, as I should say. Um, <laughs> she's her meat lover's pizza, I think you mean. Exactly, yeah. So... You know, there's no question of the character coming back, and there's no question of Kenzie coming back. But it didn't mean that, that what they did at the end of Season 4 wasn't emotional. It was, they did a really good job, the writers and the cast and the crew. So that's my my very emotional two cents. So how about you, Chris? Did you Are you going to make it a trifecta? Did you go with Kenzie as well? Well, you two went with like meaningful character stuff, meaningful plot development. And uh, I went vengeance because Massimo, because <laughs> he deserved it. He did. He deserved he it. He really did. It, that was a death, which is why I'm like, even though when we were talking about least favorite characters, I'm like, I really don't like Massimo. But when he died, I had like a, yeah, finally deserved yeah. it type of reaction. Whereas with Ra- when Rainer died, I was kind of like, okay, that happened. But but yeah, Massimo deserved it, as Chris Yeah, Rainer would probably be my... My second, like... <laughs> I wasn't sure. Second favorite death. I would just... Because I describe Rainer's death in one word. Meh. I wasn't sure I'm with you, Annie, <laughs> if you were going to pick Kenzie or if you were going to pick Massimo. Those are my two, two... Or, sorry, or Rainer. Sorry. I thought you'd pick Kenzie or Rainer. No, I instantly took that question to mean as a meaningful character deaths. But if you listen to our Orphan Black podcast... Tatiana's everyone. <laughs> you know that Chris and I are not above being vengeful and saying that a character deserved it. And Massimo deserved it. I was telling Annie earlier that uh, deserved it is a thing I actually say just in in my civilian life. I I air quoted civilian there because I'm mocking myself (laughs) as I'm saying words. (laughs) And and you guys can't see it, but she is wearing her deserved it Tatiana is everyone shirt today. Are you? I am because I'm a huge nerd. I missed that. Okay, you'll have to show me after we're finished. Okay. Hi, this is Denise at NVGhost005. This is Day 24, Favorite Character Death. And I hope I'm answering this question correctly to mean character that I really wanted to see bite it. And for me, that would have been Wayne from O Kappa My Kappa. He was that security supervisor that Bo had to work for. And he had that fade chained up in the cave and he was feeding young university students to that fae so he could drink from that fae's pool of water and maintain his youthfulness. Yeah, I was very glad when Dyson dispatched him. So it's Wayne from O Kappa, My Kappa. Hola, me llamo Sally. This is for day 23, favorite character death. So the way I'm interpreting this question is not who was my favorite character who happened to die, but (laughs) which character death was my favorite. And, you know, there are several that I could choose from, but I guess I'll have to say Rainer's death was my favorite, not because it was climactic or anything, but because (laughs) I was like, finally, we can stop having him as part of the storyline. I feel really mean for saying this, but it's true. (laughs) 
We would love it if you shared your answers to these questions. Go to drinkswiththedoll.com slash 64 and tell us some of your favorites in the comments. You can send us feedback on this content or suggest content for future episodes by emailing us at feedback at drinkswiththedoll.com or sending us a voice message by clicking on the send voicemail tab on the right hand side of the website. I'm so glad you could join us for Drinks with the Doll. My name is Stephanie. And I'm Annie. And I am vengeful and Chris. Thank you so much for listening. Cheers. Cheers.